Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the college football rankings are out, and exactly as I predicted, BYU's up one spot to 13 because Northwestern lost. It really wasn't one of my greatest predictions. It was a pretty mediocre prediction. And I think many of you made the same prediction. Northwestern lost. They were going to get punished. I think the committee is going to try to move closer to public opinion, if not exactly replicate it. They're going to try to move closer to public opinion, and they won't do it all at once. They'll do it conveniently so it doesn't look suspicious. Uh, I think BYU can catch some of the teams in front of them. Maybe this week they catch Indiana if Wisconsin beats Indiana. Um, There is a chance that Wisconsin jumps BYU, so it's a wash. Uh, But this might be a chance for them to move Wisconsin up without jumping BYU. And that would uh, enable them to inch BYU to 12. And the loser of the Big 12 title game. Now, beyond that, they'll need upsets. And it's not even clear if these teams are going to play. I think if BYU is going to target teams to play here, if they're going to add games, right now, to me, it looks like there's two teams that it would benefit them to beat BYU. One is Texas A&M. A&M is five. And they've got a very real risk of being stuck there. You know, sixth rank Florida can help themselves. If they beat Alabama, they move up. If they don't beat Alabama, they're going to get moved down. So, you know, Florida that, you know, I don't know that Cincinnati can jump from seven to four. And when I say that, I mean, I don't think they can. Uh, but A&M at five is interesting. If, if Clemson beats Notre Dame in a close game, I think then Clemson and Notre Dame are both in. But if Notre Dame beats Clemson and gives Clemson a second loss, A&M's in. And if Clemson just blows Notre Dame off the field, which I don't think they'll do, but if they do, they go out and win by four or five touchdowns, then Notre Dame's out and A&M's in. But if Clemson scores late in the game to win by three or six or seven or something like that, I think they're both in and A&M, A&M could be in trouble. Now, A&M could help themselves by beating BYU and adding a quality win. Uh, also, I think Oklahoma State... We'll have to see how it shakes out, but they might need to play the week of the Big 12 title game on the 19th, and BYU is free, um, because they might need to beat BYU to move up into a New Year's Six Bowl, if that's important to them. Uh, And my guess is it it would be. So I think there's two opportunities there. Now, both those conferences have to change rules and play non-conference games, or in the case of the Big 12, play a second non-conference game, but I think rules are pretty pliable this year. So uh, those are two things I'd watch if BYU's going to add a game. Uh, the other teams I look at, I just don't know what their motivation would be. It looks like Miami is in. Why would they want to risk a loss? They're going to be in a New Year's Six. They'll be in the Orange Bowl. So why would they want to play BYU? You know, I, I just don't see it. Some teams just aren't going to have dates because they're going to be in conference title games. So But I think those are two teams to look at. Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, jazz coach Quinn Snyder, his first uh, public comment since the end of the bubble. Uh, We'll hear from him as he gets ready for the next season. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Quinn Snyder. He met with the media uh, for about 20 minutes, maybe a little more than that. Uh, let you listen in on that conversation right now on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone as Quinn Snyder gets ready for the upcoming season. We are now less than three weeks away from the season opener. Here's Quinn. Yeah, I, I guess just, you know, I, th- I think we're all, um, as a team, excited to, to get back and, and have a chance to play. Um, obviously, um, a lot of things that we're, we're trying to understand and, and, you know, the season's going to be full of challenges in that sense, but, um, our kind of our overarching, um, thought right now is I think guys are really looking forward to getting back on the court. Um, we've got a foundation of players that you know, that we know, um, that we're excited about and obviously adding a couple guys in particular, um, Derek, um, you know, it, it, I, I can talk about more. I'm sure someone will ask that question, but you know, the, the bottom line is we're looking forward to playing, um, in spite of all the challenges that, that exist. All right. Okay. We'll go ahead and get started now then. 
Um, we'll have our first question from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Q, good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Good. Uh, yeah, the, so you kind of referenced this a little bit, just um, given that it is kind of a shorter run-up to the season and given that, you know, it's it's potentially a compacted schedule and you don't even know the full schedule yet, uh, how does that kind of impact your ability to kind of plan and, and does bringing back a similar group to what you had last year help with that? Um, well, first, the, the second part of the question, I think it does, Eric. Um, you know, anytime you have continuity, um, you're able to focus on different things. Um, you know, I'm not sure that's an advantage that just puts us over the top in and of itself, but it's certainly something, particularly under the circumstances that, um, that we feel good about. You know, we, we have a common language that we speak, um, you know, as far as guys that have been here and just that, that level of understanding. As far as the preparation goes, you know, the, the thing that, that I've kind of tried to connect it to early on has been, you know, what we faced in Orlando, where we had the same type of uncertainty um, regarding the schedule, the format and all those things. Um, so I think part of it is, you know, I feel this generally um, about coaching that, you know, being able to adapt is, is something that's, you know, important um, all the time. And in this situation, uh, even more important because there's going to be things that are thrown at us constantly that you can't always predict. Um, you know, I think one of the things that the reason you plan is to have a, you know, a foundation to adjust from. And I, I think that's, um, that's where we are and not just for myself and the coaching staff, but I think also, you know, our players understanding that the, the, the key thing is going to be whatever the adversity you face, you know, however it's cloaked um, to be able to, you know, to look at it and try to focus forward. Okay. Next question will come from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey coach. It's good to see you via zoom, hopefully in mm -hmm. person one day soon. Um, uh, you know, adding uh, on what you just were talking about, Justin Zanuck did talk about the familiarity aspect. I think you're muted, Kristen. <laughs> Yeah, Kristen, we can't hear you. Oh, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, you talked about a little bit about the familiarity. I know Justin Zanuck talked about that as well as a benefit, given all of these the uncertain times. With that, Derek Favors adds that connectivity to the group. The guys love him. Donovan's mm -hmm. always been still been close with him throughout the years. Can you just speak about that? Um, addition and just bringing him back and how good that is going to be for you guys in this group, knowing that you're facing challenging times ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, two things, one, you know, just the person that Derek is, um, you know, I can, I have this picture of Donovan pouring water on his head after a game. Um, you know, that was in some ways, you know, you, Derek lets you have windows into, um, from an emotional standpoint, you know, he's pretty steady and, and you get these, um, these moments where you can appreciate who he is on a, on an even deeper personal level. Um, I feel lucky that I got to do that for, you know, five years and, you know, we certainly missed him last year. Um, but we're not just bringing him back because he's a good guy. <laughs> he's, he's a really good player. And I think, you know, part, part of, you know, I think part of the reason that Fave and I, um, and this is true of, you know, his, his teammates too, that you, you become close with someone is, is you trust them. And so I think the fact that, you know, we've always been really transparent um, and not just talking about me with him, but, but him with me. I mean, I, there's countless times where, you know, you feel like you want to explain something to him and he just says, coach, I got you, you know, and that makes you even more um, appreciative of who he is. Um, so we're excited to have him back. He, he helps us in a number of ways, whether it's, um, you know, similar to some of the things he did for us. The last, it hasn't been that long, I guess, you know, so um, whether it be backing up Rudy at the five, um, playing with Rudy, um, in matchup situations, I think the expectation um, for us is that he'll be faith and we know what that is. And 
Um, we know how valuable he's been here and, and is for our team, whether it be on the court or the locker room. Next question, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Quinn. Uh, when we were talking to Fave the other day, he had mentioned that uh, that you're his favorite coach uh, and that you're a you're a player's coach is how he described it. So what I'm wondering is from your perspective, what does that mean? And I don't know, maybe what, what is not a player's coach? <laughs> that, well, first of all, it's, you know, anytime you hear that from a player, it's flattering. Um, you know, for Derek to say that about me, you know, it, it, it just makes you feel really good. And really in a lot of ways, I think after we sign him, um, you're reminded um, as a coach of, of really why you do this, you know, to have a chance to, you know, to go through the good and the bad times with someone that you rely on and trust. And um, that's, that's a special part of the job. And I think it's unique to team sports. Um, as far as being a player's coach, he could just be buttering me up. I don't, I got to think about that for what he, um, no, I, I I referenced it earlier. You know, the thing that I guess I would say um, is the communication with, with guys. I, th I think no matter what you're, sometimes you're saying things that, you know, are hard to hear. Sometimes you're wrong, you know, and you find out later, but I think being able to, to be real with each other. Um, and I, I guess it's kind of a, a philosophical question on some level. They, I think being willing to, to see the best in your players um, and to try to empower them, um, you know, to be, to be willing to make mistakes um, uh, and to see, try to see things in them that can help them get better and grow. And usually when you're able to do that, you know, guys reward you and reward that confidence you have in him. And um, with respect to Derek, I've always, I've always had that. Okay, next question will be uh, from Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Quinn, um, you alluded to this, but I'm wondering with most of the roster being back and Derek returning, is it nicer as a coach to not have to build the personal connection before a season? Um, yeah, I, it, it certainly allows you um, – the opportunity to, to, to have that trust, um, I, I think lets you move further, you know, quicker. Um, so that if there, you know, we're, we're any season, this one in particular, even if we have, you know, some of the same guys, there's always, there's always adjustments that you want to make. We made them from the regular season to, you know, to Orlando in the bubble and we'll make some more as you're, you're learning about your team and how guys, you know, interact. We, we didn't have Boyan, um, Mike, JC, you know, those guys weren't together the whole year. Um, so always trying to figure out how to maximize um, your players. And, and, but like in Mike's case, for me to get to know him, um, you just can't rush that. You're going to have to, it takes time. So um, Jordan doing that, you know, in a six month, period, you know, Boyan, you know, first year. So to your point, um, you know, I, I think those guys, you, you have a, you have an understanding of one another and I think it allows you to rely on them even more. Um, you know, the players can always teach you and having that, you know, those relationships, um, you know, it makes it easier for, for both players and coaches. And I think it lets you adapt even more. And um, there's that belief that you have in each other. Next question, uh, Tony Jones, The Athletic. Hey, Coach. Uh, you didn't have Boyan in the bubble, uh, obviously. Um, but what does it mean getting him back and, you know, his secondary scoring, his the spacing that he provides, the gravity to, that he provides, and, and you know, the, the three-point shoot on, shooting on volume shooting, and how does that relate to – to Donovan as Donovan took a step in the, in the bubble and he looks to take another step this year. Well, first of all, Tony, I, I'm still trying to figure out what gravity is. So you're ahead of me on that one with, with, uh, with Boyan, the, uh, you're going to be our new analytics guy. The, um, to, to your point, um, 
you know, Boyan's ability to space, um, you know, Joe, Mike, we've got a lot of guys that, that can do that. Rudy's vertical spacing, I think allows Boyan, um, you know, opportunities. Um, then, you know, his ability to shoot off screens, his ability to, you know, we're going to try to use him on the post more this year. Um, I think that's an area where if you look at through the season, um, where he can even be more effective. We had him in some isolation situations, you know, at the nail um, in the, you know, the middle of the free throw line. So he, he can score a lot of different ways. And to your point, he impacts other guys' ability to score too. So that, um, you know, particularly, you know, Donovan in pick and roll or Donovan in an isolation situation, it's, it's, you know, and, and with his height too, you know, sometimes bigger guys, you feel like they're, you're guard, they're guarded and they're not because they can just shoot over you. And, and I think you saw that particularly um, with the amount of big shots that he hit because, you know, being willing to take big shots and uh, he enjoys those moments. Uh, so having him back um, will be great. We had him virtually in the bubble. Derek, uh, he's not on the call, but Madeline knows this. Derek had like a poster of Boyan on every one of our elevators, um, on the elevator doors when we'd get off our floor. So we were constantly saying hi to him. So it's, it's good to be able to say hi to him, you know, in the flesh. All right. Next question will come from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you. Uh, you've, you've yeah. had a lot of multiple staff changes this off season. Um, just wondering if you can kind of talk about those and in particular, the new guys and kind of what strengths they bring to your yeah. No, great. Um, you know, there, I guess there hasn't been really opportunity to comment generally on the staff. Uh, the, the, you know, really it's something that I think, you know, I, I feel, you know, amount of pride in, you know, as I think the other guys on our staff do as well, you know, as, you know, dating back to a couple years ago when Igor got the head job in Phoenix, um, you know, Johnny had been with the Jazz um, for a year before I got here. And to see him, you know, take a job as the associate head coach you know, of the Knicks, um, it's always it's, – it's, it's bittersweet because you miss those guys. They do such a great job. Um, but I think they've all made each other – Zach, for instance, you know, some of you may know Zach. You know, when Zach was in college at Texas, he was a – like I wouldn't call it an intern. He was a volunteer coach and eventually – I started trying to take him on the road and he had to change his class schedule because he had, to, he couldn't take uh, his classes during the day because of practice. And then, then he just missed class. So um, to see him, you know, come here when he was from Orlando, what, six, five years ago. Um, and then to get an opportunity, you know, on the bench in Dallas, you know, just says a lot about the job he's done. And um, our assistants are respected in the league. Um, and that's something, you know, Sagana Jop, um, you know, is kind of just beginning his career um, and has an opportunity to go to Houston um, in a role. Um, you, you, you want guys to grow. And as difficult as it is sometimes to have those changes, you know, I've known Tony Lang since he was 19. Um, and he's the head assistant now in Cleveland. And he was the second guy that I hired when I got here behind Lamar Skeeter, who was the video coordinator in Atlanta. Um, and I would anticipate, you know, Lamar having an opportunity, you know, Alex having opportunities, you know, every situation's different, but um, we have a wall in our office where we put pictures of, you know, they're like still shots of coaches with players. And uh, it's fun to walk by and, and see those guys and know um, not only how much they've given to, to our program, and, you know, they, those are the guys that have laid the bricks um, for what we're building from a foundation. So to see them have a chance to um, to move forward with their careers is, is you know, is, is rewarding. Um, as far as, you know, when you when you have to me with the staff, it's never kind of one to one. You know, it's you're putting together a team and, you know, Dell Demps. Um, who we hired Dell was the, for some of you that know, De you know, Dell was the, the general manager, vice president of basketball operations in, in new Orleans. And we used to go have coffee when I would come, when I was an assistant and come on the road and we'd go have coffee because we had coffee 
for three straight years before our D league games, when he was the general manager, we'd go to, we'd go to a Starbucks across the street from the Austin convention center and uh, hang out and drink coffee. So I always knew Dell wanted to coach. And I think he brings, he brings a unique skill set. You know, I, I don't, I think Otis Thorpe was the only other um, GM, as I recall, that went from that role into a coaching role. He went to Detroit and coached their D league team there. So the decision that Dell's made to come here um, says a lot about his passion for coaching. And uh, I tease him all the time. It's what he wanted to do anyway. And now he gets to do it um, with us. Uh, and then, you know, Keon Dooling, just another guy that I'm, I'm really excited to have. Um, Keon played for me at Missouri before, you know, he went to the NBA, had a 13 year, I think career in the NBA, you know, was a leader in every, in every team he was on and has been working, you know, with the players association. He's got a really unique experience, not just from the league, but I think on a personal level, which is, is an asset. Um, and then Sergio Oliva, um, who was in Philadelphia, he actually did a fair amount of coaching um, back in Catalonia with, uh, albeit with, you know, young guys, you know. Um, so another situation with someone that has a unique skill set, um, you know, was in the front office in Philadelphia, um, helped build their analytics program, all the strategic analysis that goes into that. So, you know, he's, he's teaching me as we go. Um, you know, all, all those guys and Keon and Dell in particular, um, you know, I have a history with too. So there's that, that's a really important part of building a staff. And sometimes you have to develop those things and sometimes they're ready made. Um, but I think just seeing our, how our staff interacts, like I said, it change is always hard, but it can also be something that um, that's beneficial at times too. And, um, I'm, I'm really thrilled about those guys being here and I'm equally excited for, you know, Igor, Tony, Johnny, Zach, Ghana. I mean, it's, it's pretty fun to see guys you know, have success, it's particularly when you know that they're such a big part of the success that we've had. Okay. Next up will be David James, KUTV. Uh, I was curious uh, what in this craziest of years, what kind of input you had into the, um, draft process and what you know about those two guys and how they can add to the group over time. Yeah. You know, it, it we, during, during the bubble, you know, not knowing where the draft was, when the draft was going to be for so long, you know, our focus um, was obviously Orlando. And then we got back, um, there's kind of a, a recharge period. Um, so our coaching said so we are, Dennis and Justin and, and their group, you know, we, we, we come, we come in on the process, you know, at a certain point after a lot of the, you know, they, they've done a lot of the work. Um, and so having an opportunity to, you know, to see the guys that um, obviously not seeing them in person. So for us, maybe not that different. We didn't see them in workouts, but a lot of it's video work, um, you know, and we have, you know, we, we, our input is, is I think useful. Um, certainly our primarily it's a level of trust that we have in Dennis and Justin and their group. Um, but as far as, you know, dope goes, you know, having seen him play in college, you, you can, you can find a Kansas, Kansas game on TV. Um, so having a chance to watch him play and, and see the things he can do. I didn't, wasn't as familiar with Elijah um, initially because I don't, I just don't watch as much college basketball, um, but having a chance to see him play um, the, you know, he, he can really shoot it um, ability to put the ball on the floor and create a little bit, um, you know, and Doak, obviously we've had both those guys in the gym. So it's been fun to see even early stage, you know, how they've thrown themselves into the workouts. It, I think it's, it's really, we're asking a lot this year of rookies, you know, with a shortened um, preparation process, you, usually they get to come in, have summer league, again, go through OTAs. You've got like three or four months for them to get comfortable. And so we're guys are getting thrown right in it. And uh, we're excited about both those guys and what they can do. And um, also know it's a, it's going to be a process for them. Okay. Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Quinn, along those lines, what is day one like with a rookie or, or Trent, or I know you get Jarrell back, but some of the exhibit 10 guys, like what do you do day one to figure out what you have? 
Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Jarrell, um, Juwan, Mie, um, Nigel, those guys we're familiar with. Um, that said, it, it, you know, none of those guys have, have played extensive minutes in an NBA game. Um, they, they've all done really well in the G League. Juwan's probably, you know, the one that's obviously played a little bit more. Um, so th- there's, a, there's a familiarity we have with them. Um, as we're going through this right now, as, as people potentially get diagnosed with COVID or have an injury or, you know, there's so many variables that we're trying to get everybody ready. Uh, those guys have a head start. Um, but at the same time, you know, ha- having Doak and Elijah in and getting them on the court with coaches, there's a, there's a preparation process. It's almost like if you, if you, for the rookies, that is, it, it's almost, you know, when we traded for Jordan in December, you know, we have kind of a, you know, a packet of video and plays and more than anything, terminology, and you can't give it to them all at once. You know, you've got to kind of figure out a plan going forward. And uh, we've got less time for that now. Really the challenge is we're only allowed right now to have one coach and one player per court. Um, so that makes it a little more difficult, you know, whether it, putting up a few cones or, you know, suddenly our coaches are getting better workouts than they have um, in a while. So it's, it's, it it is a challenge, but, you know, it's always great to have, you know, young players that are enthusiastic about getting better. Okay. We now have a question from Jace Frederick with Pioneer Press in Minnesota. Hey Quinn, Tim Rose reporter hopping on to ask a Ricky Rubio question. Um, People question here whether he can fit alongside another league guard, but he did that really well with Donovan. Um, in what ways do you see him maybe help Donovan's development? And why? what is it about his skill set where he fits so well alongside lead scoring guards? Well, I think for one thing, he's just a selfless player, you know, so there isn't ever anything that you ask Ricky to do that he doesn't embrace. Um, and that, that makes him a great teammate. So when you start there, you know, no matter who you're playing with, you're going to have a positive impact. Um, I I think his vision um, and his, you know, he enjoys making plays for other people. Um, And you see that, you know, in something as simple, you know, one of the things that he's great at is, is finding someone just off a screening action, you know, where he's able to deliver a pass and, you know, it hits you in the hands at the right time. And those are things that he takes pride in that just makes it easier on other guys. Um, so, and then defensively, you know, he can, he can defend multiple positions. Like we used to always like, you'd almost want someone to try to post Ricky because he would fight you like crazy and half the time he'd steal the ball. So um, he's because of his size and his aggressiveness, in his hands, you know, he compliments guys on the defensive end as well. So, I, you know, his, his game, his, his mind, his heart, like it all lines up to making people around him better. Thanks, Quinn. Yep. Okay. And um, we have a follow-up from Sarah Todd, Desert News. When you mentioned um, being able to say things to your players that are kind of difficult for them to hear sometimes, uh, and Donovan actually mentioned that a few days ago uh, with respect to Johnny and how he'd worked with him and sometimes he would tell him like, that's a bad shot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of philosophy, maybe a little bit of tough love or being able to get your players to take criticism in a good way? Uh, Is that something that you've sort of spread out to the rest of your coaching staff or that you try to impart on them? Yeah, I I think it, I think first of all, if if players respect you um, as a coach, just that you've, you've put the time in, you know, watching them play, studying, um, you've vested time with them on the court um, that it allows you, it allows them to hear the things that you're saying, even when they may be hard. So I, I think foundationally the relationships that, um, whether it be myself or, you know, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, with Johnny, that's, I think, true of, you know, Lamar's got that with Mike Conley. Um, you can, Alex has it with Rudy Gobert. Uh, you can, you can go down, down the line um, with the guys on our staff and the relationships. And that does allow, um, allow them to be coached. For me personally, I, I think, you know, that's something I really want to empower, you know, our assistants to do that. Um, but I think it's grounded in those relationships 
and the time that they spend with each other. And then the things that they're saying, you know, it's probably not the first time they've heard it. Um, and, and the last thing is, I, I think we're, we're lucky, you know, that you have a guy like Donovan, you know, I've coached Rudy harder than any superstar, um, out there, you know, and, and I give him a hard time about that, that, you know, I'm lucky that he's willing to listen, you know, Donovan the same way. Um, I told Boyan, I said a couple things to Boyan and, I caught myself and I was like, you know, maybe I went too far. And then I thought he'd played for coach Obradovich. So there's nothing I could say to him that he hadn't heard over in, uh, in Croatia or Serbia. So I, I feel lucky that the guys we have um, really do listen. And the, the one thing that I, I think is important, you can say hard things. You can say things that are difficult, um, but you try to say them with respect, you know, and I think when you're respectful, that doesn't mean you can't raise your voice every now and then. That doesn't mean a player, you know, Joe's, Joe's yelled at me probably more than I've yelled at him, at least in the last two years. He, he, he didn't yell at me when he first got here, but now he yells at me. So um, I think all that stuff's healthy. And, you know, sometimes, you know, everybody makes mistakes and, you know, for coaches and players to be able to, you know, own those too, I just think strengthens those relationships further. There is Quinn Snyder with the media. Stay with us more in a moment. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from the Utes, offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig and head coach Kyle Whittingham as they get ready for the Oregon State game. Uh, Andy Ludwig, well, you know he's got to talk about nine turnovers in the first two games. Here's Andy Ludwig, brief and very to the point. Morning, Coach. Uh, I wonder if you could assess uh, Jake Bentley's performance through these first two games. Uh, Jake Bentley is working very hard to improve every day, every every week. There's uh, plenty of improvement uh, that needs to be made. He did get better from week one to week two. We need to see substantial improvement from week two to week three. We'll go next to Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. We, we've seen a lot of really good things from uh, Ty, Ty Jordan as, as as one of the backs for you. Is he going to be getting more carries? Is he, is he starting to separate himself from the other running backs? He is an explosive, dynamic young man, and uh, he deserves to get more touches, and that is the plan moving forward. We'll go next to Josh Newman. Hey, Andy, good morning. Um, now that we're past Thanksgiving and there's no longer students on campus, do you and the other coaches kind of view the virus as maybe easier to deal with within your program now that campus is empty? Uh, no, no, it's a, it's a daily, it is a daily task uh, with the players, with the staff in terms of testing and protocols and all the, all the logistics that we're working through and, and combating the virus uh, did, did the campus clearing out alleviate some of the potential exposures? Absolutely. But uh, now's not the time to let our guard down. Andy, just a quick follow-up. Um, at some point here, are you, are you optimistic that Covey can, can get healthier a, a, and maybe play a larger role within your offense? I, I am optimistic. I am uh, planning on, you know, that was a game-time decision. He didn't really practice at all or very, very little during the course of last week. And uh, the intention is that he will practice today and be uh, a key part of this game plan. Our next question will come from Trevor Allen. Kyle's mentioned throughout the last two weeks that the uh, O-line has really needed to to step up their game. Uh, after, you know, the, the game against Washington, how, how would you uh, say the O-line has played? The, uh, the, the offensive line produced – produced excellent uh, or had excellent production in the run game last week. The pass protection continues to be an area of emphasis, but that's a, uh, there's some young players in that group that are getting better each day. 
And we are going to lean on that group and count on that group to continue to improve because obviously it all starts up front. But it's a, it's a very talented group. Just some of those guys got to grow up a little faster. We'll go back to Jeff Call of the Deseret News. Yeah, are you surprised with the number of turnovers that have happened? Is this something that uh, you saw in practice and camp, or is this something that surprised you, the number of uh, turnovers? Uh, I'm disgusted with it. Not surprised, disgusted. Uh, no, didn't, didn't see it coming. We have been a very good ball security football team, and, uh, and it is a constant point of emphasis with every player uh, on the offensive unit. But uh, obviously, we have to we have to uh, do a much better job of taking care of the football. It's all about the ball, so we got to do a much better job, especially starting with the quarterback position. There's Utah offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig. I think we will always remember him saying he was disgusted by the turnovers. All right, Kyle Whittingham is talking turnovers, but other things as well. Uh, the emergence of Ty Jordan, uh, emergence of a couple other young players that he likes on the defensive side of the ball, and the challenge they face this week going up against Oregon State, who lost their first two games but now has won their last two games. And Jamar Jefferson, their junior running back, is crushing it having a 200 yard game against Oregon he's had at least 100 yards in all four games he's averaging like seven and seven and a half yards a carry I mean he's putting up awesome numbers uh, he could have a thousand yard season in a six or seven game season the way he's going uh, it is really phenomenal how well he's running the ball and you'll hear Kyle talk about that right now on 97.5 at 1280 the zone okay a quick look back at the uh, Husky game last weekend uh, we played an outstanding first half, both offensively and defensively. Uh, did a lot of good things, and then unfortunately, the second half couldn't get much done. Uh, you know, didn't play well on either side of the ball in the second half. So, so consequently, uh, didn't get uh, you know didn't get a victory, and and uh, really a, a very similar storyline uh, ultimately as you know like it was in the first week with the turnovers being the the major problem that plagued us, uh, turn the ball over four times. Uh, and you just can't do that. And you know, we talked about that the week before against the uh, Trojans. And we played another outstanding football team in the, in the Huskies last week. And, and when you turn the ball over four times and three of those were in the second half, you just don't give yourself much of a chance. So, so that was unfortunate. Uh, a lot of positives in the game, a lot of positives. We ran the football exceptionally well, over 200 yards rushing, over five yards of carry. Uh, defended the run exceptionally well, less than 100 yards again. Uh, I think it was 88 yards uh, total for the Huskies. Uh, came away with some takeaways of our own on defense, uh, three interceptions. Thought the secondary made some made some plays. Uh, so so a lot to build on and uh, things to carry forward. But uh, no moral victories. I'm not trying to paint that picture. But I thought we took a step forward as a football team from uh, week one to week two. Um, looking ahead now to uh, this weekend, Oregon State coming in here, a team that's feeling very good about themselves, and they should be after beating uh, the Ducks. That was a big win for them. Uh, they got a running back that's uh, really uh, in high gear right now and, and uh, doing a good job for them. And, and uh, they, you know, they're a good football team, and as evidenced by their win against Oregon last week. So we've got our work cut out for us again this week. We need to take another step forward as a football team and uh, just keep working hard and keep uh, keep trying to get better and, and progressing. So that's where we're at. Questions? We'll go first to Trevor Allen, kslsports.com, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, John Kuhn, Associated Press. Kyle, you you had talked about the the running back a little bit. Is that is that job one when you guys are are, are scouting Oregon State just to stop him first? Yeah, that's that's uh, definitely uh, the, the top priority, and that's pretty much every week. There's some exceptions, but but uh, that's the starting point for our defensive planning. Is okay. What do we got to do to stop the run? How are we going to control the gaps and and uh, what fronts do we need to to uh, employ? And so that. Uh, and even more so this week when you got a guy running the football like like their guy is, and so that is uh, that's our starting point. Next, Josh Newman, followed by John Coon. Hey, Kyle. Good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, I'm 
I'm just curious, now that we're past Thanksgiving and campus is going to be mostly empty for a while, do you believe that that alleviates uh, at least some concern in, in terms of dealing with the virus and keeping your players safe, that campus is now empty? I guess it would. You know, hadn't thought of that, but uh, yeah, we're trying to keep them uh, as safe as possible and, and uh, out of harm's way. And we've had to move a bunch of them to a hotel, you know, to separate guys and and uh, just do everything we can to mitigate the uh, you know the likelihood of of, uh, of COVID. And, and I think our our staff has done an excellent job doing that. We've had our share of problems, like everyone else in the country, like almost everybody else in the country. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, the less people you're around, the better. And uh, now that campus is empty, the, the guys that are on campus uh, in the dormitories, that's uh, more of a, a safe environment, I would say, than, than a bunch of people there. Kyle, just a quick follow-up to what you said. I'm not asking names or specific numbers, but can you maybe put a percentage of, of how much of your roster is staying in a hotel off campus? Uh, you know, I'd have to ask Jeff Rudy. He's our guy that orchestrates all that. But it's not a high percentage, but but it's uh, what we did is guys that, you know, if you, if you live together and one guy gets it, it's a high-risk exposure for the other guy. And so we've just tried to make sure we've separated everybody as best we can and put them in the best possible scenario. And it really has uh, been a benefit in a lot of in a lot of instances in the last uh, few weeks where uh, we've been able to isolate things that, that wouldn't have been as isolated uh, if we hadn't have made that move. And so appreciate our uh, medical staff and administration for, for allowing us to, to get that done. Next, we'll go to John Kuhn, Associated Press, followed by Ryan Kasteka, SI.com. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Um, lo looking at, at your running game the last couple of weeks, you, you've taken a committee approach, uh, distributed the, the carries quite a bit. Has there been one or two running backs out of the group that have started to rise to the top from your perspective that have started to separate themselves on the field? Well, I think you've seen Ty Jordan really do some good things for us the last couple of weeks, and especially last week, his his touches went up uh, in this last game, and and uh, he, if anybody, that is starting to separate himself a little bit from the pack. Now, every uh, every one of those four guys has a role and, and brings something to the table, but as far as just productivity and uh, explosiveness and playmaking ability, big playmaking ability, I think you see that in Ty Jordan in particular. And uh, you saw him rip off a couple runs there in the game. Uh, you know, we did, did he did put the ball on the ground one time, which uh, is unfortunate because had we, uh, you know, we're deep in the red zone. If we score on that drive, I believe we win the game. But but uh, he's, he's doing the best he can for a young freshman. He'll get better with his ball security. And he did a, a great job for us in that game, making some some big plays. And, and so if there's any, any separation that's starting to occur, I would say Ty Jordan is the guy that uh, is starting to uh, separate himself. Next, we'll go to Ryan Costeca, followed by Steve Bartle. Hey, Coach. How you doing this morning? Good. Thank you. So Grant's one of the most dynamic players in the Pac-12. How do you get him more involved moving forward? I mean, he had the good first quarter against Washington, but kind of non-existent elsewhere, including the USC game. How do you get him more involved? Yeah, we got to keep him involved and, and get him more touches. Now defenses are putting, you know, they're very, they're very, very much aware of Brant and paying attention to him, and, and uh, had a good player on him on Saturday. Uh, but we've got to continue to be more creative and, and uh, get him the ball different ways. You saw him carry the ball on a on an orbit reverse there. And we need to do more of that. And that's our job as coaches to, to get that done. And we haven't uh, maximized him as well as we should have in the first couple games. And moving forward, unless people are just outright going to double team him every snap, we got to find more ways to get him get him touches. Because you're right, he's he's one of the more dynamic tight ends in the country. And uh, we've got to uh, find a way to maximize that. Steve Bartle, followed by Josh Newman and Trevor Allen. Good morning, Coach. I uh, wanted to ask you about the, the pass rush and just your level of concern um, in terms of, you know, being productive in your pass rush. Yeah, well, it wasn't good enough on Saturday. It was pretty good the week before. We came away with three sacks in, in the opener, but zero sacks last week. Uh, you know, we did apply some pressure. Most of the pressures we dialed up, 
happened to be uh, a lot of them happened to be versus the run, which which helped us out as well. We made some big plays in the defending the run with with some of those pressures. But uh, our four man rush wasn't as good to us as it usually is and traditionally has been. And we really could have used a sack on that last drive. That last drive was 12 plays and 80 something yards. And and uh, that's when you need a big sack to uh, thwart the drive. And we weren't able to do that. And uh, it's not due to, due to lack of effort. Our guys are playing hard and, and uh, doing everything they can. But uh, that was a, a concern last week. It wasn't uh, what we usually are in the pass rush. We're usually much more effective. And so that's uh, something that hopefully we get it back this week. Josh Newman, then Trevor Allen. Kyle, it's been kind of a long road here at this point for Britton Covey. Um, at this point, how, how optimistic are you that he can keep getting healthy and maybe play a larger role in in your offense? Well, I'm optimistic. We're optimistic. Uh, he's optimistic. But uh, it remains to be seen. We'll see how the practice week goes. He's been uh, very limited. And uh, last week you saw a few snaps here and there on offense, but predominantly used him in the kick return game. Now, there wasn't much generated there. Um, the kickoffs were not in a spot. One was in a spot where we probably could have returned it. But but uh, the other uh, four or five, I thought he made the right decision in, in fair catching or letting it go in the end zone. Uh, he did a nice job on the first punt return and saving us a bunch of yards by coming up and, and making that catch. Uh, took a big hit on the play, but but uh, he's fearless and courageous, and and uh, we hope that his role is expanded this week and he's able to do a lot more on offense, but that remains to be seen. We'll have to see how the practice week goes and how he progresses. But uh, we're, we're a better football team when he's in the lineup, I can tell you that, because he's, he's a playmaker. Trevor Allen, followed by Jeff Call. Now, now that two games are, are uh, done, Kyle, uh, how, how would you say Clark Phillips and, and Nate Ritchie have, have played in their first two games in college? I think they played exceptionally well given the circumstances and they made big improvements uh, from game one to two. I know Nate uh, you know, had a, a tough matchup with that tight end from Washington this past week. He's a heck of a player, that, that tight end is. But and you also got to throw Fabian Marks in there as well. So those three... True freshmen were on the field a bunch uh, together in the game on Saturday, and we came away with uh, three interceptions, and and uh, they held down the fort. I mean, they did throw for about 250, but that in this day and age of football, that's not a ton of yards. And when you when you combine that with only 88 rushing yards, the defense played uh, pretty darn good. And if they get a stop on that last drive and hold them to 17, and we win the game, then we're all feeling really good about ourselves right now. And so, but that's not the case. You know, we weren't able to get that stop and. And uh, it's unfortunate, but I think those guys are progressing well, as is, uh, you know, the other guys, Tennessee Pututau, who played a bunch of snaps for us uh, up front. Sione Fotu, our freshman linebacker, played played very well. And he's, he's a guy that uh, I think is not getting as much recognition as he should. He's been very productive for us. We have time for a few more. We'll go to Jeff Call, Steve Bartle, and then Chris Kemron. I got all morning, Paul. I got okay. all morning, so whatever it takes. Coach, how do you uh, go about emphasizing ball security in practice? We go about it every day of the week. Uh, we dedicate periods to nothing but ball security drills. We've been doing that uh, for years. Andy's very tuned into that. Andy Lovely, our coordinator, nobody is neglecting that. Nobody is not paying attention to that. We're all paying attention to it. And it's something we always do pay attention to. And uh, that has been... You know, if, you, if you boil it right down to the, the bare bones, that's been our issue. Like I said, the, the, I believe if we turn the ball over one time in those first two games, in each game, we probably win both of them. But that's the shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's not the case, but that's how impactful it's been. And uh, it's something that we will continue to emphasize. Uh, there comes a point where you harp on things too much. It becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where it becomes a, a negative, you know, if you if you rant and rave about it too much. So uh, our guys understand how important it is. There's nobody on our offense who doesn't get it as far as uh, ball security. And so we've just got to continue to uh, try to do a better job. Steve Bartle and Chris Camerani. Coach, wanted to ask you about the offensive line. It seemed that they were able to generate a lot more push up front with Nick Ford at center. How do you evaluate that with Orlando Umana out with injury? And then just what do you want to see from the offensive line moving forward? Well, you're exactly right. We did get a lot better push and was evidenced by our offensive, uh, our rushing production going way up from the week before. 
Uh, Nick really is an inside three guy. He's he's not really at his home position when he's a tackle. He's talented enough to, to do very well there, but he does better inside. And his, his future at the next level is, an, is as an inside guy. And so, uh, you know, going forward, we need to see more of the same. Just continue to to get push. Uh, we can we still need to shore up the pass protection a little bit. It's a little bit too soft at times. Those defensive ends of the Huskies were doing a good job on the outside, uh, narrowing the pocket. We got to keep more width in the pocket with our tackles. We're getting collapsed a little bit, but uh, saw progress. Bottom line from week one to week two, offensive line was much improved and uh, we need to take another step forward this week. Chris Camerani. Kyle, I know you want to win every game, but I'm wondering, are there benefits for this young team experiencing the sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, heartbreaking losses as, as they move forward as a collective? I guess you could say that. You know, the old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you tougher. And uh, I think there's lessons to be learned, whether you win or lose, there's, there's big lessons to be learned. And, and this team certainly has a, a lot of uh, lessons to be learned with uh, the amount of young guys that are getting their opportunity. And uh, so it's, you know, the key is to to continue to learn and not make the same mistakes twice and, and try to, you know, if you're gonna make a mistake, make a new one. And, uh, you know, it's our job as coaches to, to uh, correct mistakes and continue to bring these guys along. They got a great attitude there. There's a lot of uh, fight in these uh, freshmen that are playing and, and a lot of want to. And for the whole team, that for that matter, I don't think there's any lack of that. You look at the tape, and uh, even though we weren't productive in the second half this past game, it was not because of a lack of effort. Everyone's playing as hard as they can, and and uh, we as coaches have got to put these guys in better positions to make plays. So we didn't do a good enough job as coaches in the second half, and so uh, that's where we're at. Jeff Call. Yeah, what stands out to you, Coach, about uh, Jermaine Jefferson in terms of his style and maybe the challenge that he poses this week? Well, he's got size, uh, speed, quickness. Um, you're talking about the tailback, right? Because I, I don't normally name yes. I, I, I go by numbers. But, but uh, anyway, he's a, he's a terrific player. He's uh, productive. Um, he's got vision. He seems to have uh, excellent vision, which all really good backs have. And like I said, he's nearly 220 pounds and, and uh, just a shade under six feet. So he's, he's powerful and uh, he runs hard and their offensive line does a nice job. They're not exceptionally big up front. You know, they're a little bit undersized for, you know, Pac-12 and, and Power 5 standards. But you'd never know it by the way they play because they get they're physical and they they've got a, a nasty streak to them, which all all really good offensive lines have that little bit of. Uh, not a little bit, but a nasty mentality. And uh, that's what they got up front. Chris Camerani. Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to be at 500 this year to be bowl eligible. And you have two games left on the schedule. Do you harp on that at all to these to these young guys this week to, to keep themselves in the running? Because as you know, an extra potential month of practice and, and being together goes really far for a young group like this. Well, we're harping on Oregon State right now and trying to find a way to be at our best for those guys and, and let uh, whatever happens after that happen. Uh, with the way the season lays out, it's not an extra month of practice before the bowls. It'll be a couple weeks at best. But uh, it's uh, all our focus, all our attention. We haven't even talked about that uh, as far as postseason. We're just trying to become as good a football team as we can at the moment. And uh, we don't want to get one step ahead of ourselves at all. And so all our focus is channeled to uh, this week. There's been no talk of anything but Oregon State, nor will there be. That's, uh, that's where we're at. There's Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, including the latest rankings from the Football uh, Selection Committee. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.